Hey everyone, this is Marissa Phillips from Y'all Heard, and um... Hey everybody, rate us on iTunes Five stars is a charm And why not leave us a voicemail 570-POD-1 Doesn't matter what you say in your voicemail We promise we'll appreciate it, we don't get many, thank you Okay, one, two, three. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Y'all Heard. Y'all Heard. A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. Are not related. And this is a podcast where two friends jump into the visceral experiences of, of life and the world around them. And they dredge up some details to bring back and... You together, can write this? Discuss together <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> did you pre-write this? No. <laughs> okay, it didn't seem like you did. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Pete, I'm going to tell you who I am first. Before I forget, I'm going to share something very intimate with our listeners who I have told about my mental health journeys before. Just because, one, maybe I'll need to warn you in case I become unhinged. Or just two... Maybe this will, you know, maybe we'll go through this together, guys. Guys, I started tapering off my Zoloft, and I'm going to try and get off, and then I'm going to microdose. Microdose. I don't know, THC or whatever. I don't know what to call it. I'm going to take microdose weed gummies. I don't even know. Is it only weed? I don't know how to discuss. Like, Not I don't know how to discuss it. Like, oh, it's scandalous. Meaning I don't know. I don't know what you call them. But yeah, I'm going to try it. I've been watching... No, not watching. I've been listening to the dollop... No, not the dollop. I've been listening to the Flophouse podcast, and they keep advertising these microdose gummies. And I'm like, you know what? Let's give it a chance. But I don't think you're supposed to do that while you're on Zoloft. So I'm going to see. We'll see how unhinged I become. If it fails, just go back on. My doctor yelled at me when I tried to do that. Why? Because she said I shouldn't be tapering off unless I talk to her first. Well, yes, Pete. I talked to my doctor, dog. <laughs> well, good for you. But there was a period where I did, and I got from 200 to 100 milligrams. Okay. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm like, hey, let me just taper off because I'm... I mean, do you know the way you're supposed to do it? I'm just as depressed <laughs> as before. So this will save me a few bucks a month. <laughs> I mean, do, do you do you know how you're supposed to do it? Um, yeah. Like, I just cut from two pills to one pill for like a month. You're probably supposed to go from like two pills to one and a half pills to yeah, one Yeah, who's pill. cutting pills, Marissa? I what mean, you, uh... you don't feel any withdrawal. I mean, I'm cutting pills right now, first of all, but they have a divot in the middle so I can just snap them. I don't have a pill cutter. Two, don't you feel withdrawal? I got, like, weird when one day I left my Zoloft at home for a week and I felt oh. bad. Hello? I don't think so. Yes, you do. It's physical. Don't you get, like, headaches or feel, like, weird and stuff? Get headaches and I feel weird all the time. I know. Maybe you don't <laughs> have to. Maybe you should have just taper off. No, no. This you... was a while ago. Peace. And it went fine. And then I was at 100 milligrams and I talked to her about it. And, <laughs> and she was giving me 100 milligrams. 
instead of 200. And then the next visit, each time I go to the doctors, it's like my first time at the doctor. (laughs) They don't really remember anything from last time. (laughs) Well, do you want a microdose with me? No. Why? It sounds fun. I like when we do things together. <laughs> Let's take Lumi microdose gummies together. They're like fucking $80 for like 30 but there's a promo code from... from. And it probably takes three months for them to take effect. Yeah, I don't even fucking know. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try. We'll see. Anyway, whatever. I did some promo code shopping... Over the weekend, I was like, uh, man, feeling bummed. Some retail therapy. You know what? Let me treat myself with some Magic Spoon. <laughs> Ooh! Did you like it? Oh, there's yeah. a promo where you can get four boxes. I've had it before. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. it's good. Um, but there's a promo where you can get four boxes, and now they have protein bars. Yeah. You can get two good? boxes of those with them. Have you had those? No, are they good? They taste burnt. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Uh, at least was the cereal good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have so many boxes because I got really excited. Then I subscribed. I go through food phase. I'm still subscribed. I don't want to cancel it for some reason because then the boxes are cheaper, but I just keep deferring it over and over again. But uh, I go through phases where I like something for like five months and then I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So... If anyone wants to buy some boxes of mat, I'm not. I'd only give them free to you because you're a dear friend. But those are not cheap. If anyone other than Pete wants a free box, you gotta pay me. <laughs> that didn't Patrons. make sense. A free box you need to pay me. <laughs> I mean, if anyone wants one of my boxes, you gotta pay me. If any patrons want an autographed box of Magic Spoon for Marissa, let us know. I'll pay her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was gonna give a discount, <laughs> but I pay like thirty-five dollars for four boxes of cereal, Pete. Yeah, I paid like fifty for four, and then the the bars. I'm. It's taking me a while to get to the point where I feel okay to try the other kind because I tried cookies and cream, and it's it tasted like burnt. Oh. And the other one is chocolate peanut butter, which you know is right up my alley, and I just yeah. I'm I don't want to bite into it because I don't want it ruined. Aww. <laughs> Let me just say that. The best flavor they've ever made was jelly donut. Sounded horrible, but it was delicious. But it was a fucking promo with like an influencer, like like house, like a house of influencers. And I'm like, what the fuck? A hype so house. So now it doesn't Marissa. exist anymore. What? Get with it. It's a hype house. You know what? I was gonna say hype house, but I was like, did I make that up in my mind, or is that the name of a certain house? So I didn't say it. Huh. Anyway, do you want me to formally now ask you how you are, or do we feel like we both answered it? So, I wanted to tell you something, Marissa, in front of our friends, our listeners on the podcast. Um, I've been, I've been using your showtime. And even though there is an after dark section, I haven't looked at that. But I do need to. Porno? Yeah. I do need to tell you that. Wait, I said ooh like I. Yeah, you did. I don't watch porno, guys. Again, no problem with watching porno, but I don't watch porno, so I don't know why I said ooh. I have been using your account to watch really bad movies, and some of them... Ooh, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to go on my account. I only watch the L word. Some of them do look like... Porn? Yeah. 
I don't care if you watch porn on my account. Do whatever you want. No, no, no. Some of them look like they would be, but they're like horror and sci-fi movies. Oh, I did a okay. Pete's preview on the movie Wife Like, and it's about a guy who has a fake wife. Okay. Not a fake wife, uh, uh, like robot wife. And mm-hmm. I watched that, and it's like, dude, why didn't you just get a sex doll? You don't want a wife. You just <laughs> want to have sex with a machine. Okay. So I fast-forwarded through all the sex parts. Um, why? You don't need to be ashamed. No, it's really? because... I did, yeah, because um, I was like, this is boring. I get oh, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I get that way with sex scenes in movies where I'm like, I get it, you bone, fast forward. <laughs> See, I like it because I don't watch porn, but I will watch like an erotic scene. So that's all I got beat. Yeah. The, um, there was the first one in the robot movie was going on for way too long. And I was like, I'm, I was fast forwarding and I was like, this is too long. <laughs> Why is. <laughs> Uh, and then I watched one about a smart home called Margo. I, oh, that sounds familiar. I feel like I might have done a Pete's preview on that. I feel but like you might have, yeah. I've seen so many bad previews that I couldn't remember, but it's about a smart home. And at the beginning okay. of the movie, they take famous Canadian actor Lachlan Monroe, and they put him in a massage chair, but it's a smart massage chair. Yeah. <laughs> and it squeezes him to death. Until his like, head explodes. Oh, is it an evil? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gross. Ew, I don't like head exploding things happening at all. <laughs> but it's funny because I'm pretty sure, like, if anybody tried to debunk that, oh, it would be like... Oh, He's on Riverdale. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, I feel like if anybody tried to debunk head explosions... It'd be very, like, no, your head just breaks and then your brains spill out. It's not like a big explosion happens. Yeah, Lachlan Monroe looks like someone whose head would explode in a lot of movies. He's always in weird stuff. He was he had a very compelling arc uh, in Riverdale as Betty's evil father, who oh. told her that then she had a serial killer gene. I think he was the cool guy. Um, if I'm not mistaken, in the X-Files spinoff, The Lone Gunman. Mm, no offense to him. I don't really see him as a believable cool guy. Yeah. Uh, well, the other ones were so dorky, I think, you know. Okay. And then today I watched one called Aqua Slash. Ugh, Pete. And the funny part about Aqua Slash is that it's obviously a horror movie that takes place at a uh, water park. But... <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Somebody put, like, slicing devices in one of three... I hate this! Like, water slide things. I hate movies like this! They, like, make me... But it was funny because exist. the competition was, like, the competition that they were having was, uh, you had three people on a team, and you had to hold on to each other, and whoever made it down first, not whoever of the three people that you had to hold on to... Uh, but like there were three to three slides and then three people per team and the three people on the team had to be touching each other as they went down the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> so you watch these people go down and you're like, uh Oh, they're going to be in danger when they discover those slicing mechanisms. <laughs> oh, so nobody knew that, right? Right. 
But the thing is, <laughs> they hit the slicing thing, and it's like, you're not going to get enough velocity that you're going to be able to chop through three people. <laughs> so the first person gets chopped through. The second one's like half chopped through. <laughs> and the third one just watches And they just them? keep cutting back to it oh, <laughs> as God. more and more people keep going down the slides. Ew. They were all bad. <laughs> oh, I don't even... Oh, God. Oh, that movie upsets me. I didn't even see it. Well, I guess I should never expect Showtime to recommend a movie I can watch ever again. <laughs> like I said, thankfully I got it just to watch The L Word. But if I ever wanted to, I'll ignore the recommendation. You know what, Marissa? They have Crank. Ooh. Yeah. I feel like you can't watch it without you. You know what? It would be weird to watch on my own, and no one will ever appreciate it like you appreciate it. <laughs> um, I watched it again, um, and boy, offensive in a lot of ways. Oh, like more like if you watch it today, it's more offensive than when you watched it before, and you were like, "This is offensive." <laughs> I don't know everything that's offensive, but I do know that there's definitely something offensive with one of the Asian actresses. I think I don't know if that's Crank Two, and yeah. doesn't he like? Doesn't he hump Elizabeth Banks against her will? Um, Why did I say hump? What doesn't he bang her sort of against her will? He does. Yeah, uh, but it's isn't it Amy Smart? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks is too classy for that. <laughs> uh, wait, Amy Smart is that who I just saw? In a horrible Hallmark movie. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. That was a really bad Hallmark movie. Hey, we got a call from Alex. We haven't heard from Alex in a little while, and um, we're going to see what's going on with him. Hi, this is Alex, and I'm sorry for not having called in for a while. I've, I don't know, like, uh, been like, oh, it's Tuesday, I haven't called in, but have they recorded yet, or will it go to next week? And then uh, I was also overthinking what I would talk about, and and here we are, and it's been too long. Hi, how are you? I miss you. I mean, I've been listening to the podcast every week and keeping up, and I appreciate uh, your your friendly discussion. And it's been really nice getting ready for Christmas and listening to the Christmas-themed episodes. I don't like a lot of Christmas music that plays on the radio, but the background music that was played, uh, you know, a lot of, like, Christmas carols, that just really hit the spot. It put me in a really nice mood. So thank you, and please do that musical selection again next year. You're welcome. I think that you've got some in the archive where it's like a lot of reindeer bells being shaken over and over and like that's fine but the the, the hymns are better is what I'm saying to Christmas carols I uh, wanted to respond to Marissa did something about Elf on the Shelf my family definitely does not do Elf on the Shelf because we don't want to normalize participation in mass surveillance I wanted to share a bit of a New Year's thought right because the the way that people say hey it's January 1st I'm going to turn over a new leaf I'm going to make a big change in my life now that very rarely works, right? But I've got an idea yeah. that's New Year's related that, I don't know, might work for people. Let's give this a try. So in, instead of trying to start something new, think of something that you've done maybe a little bit differently in the past year that's started to work well and think about how you could do it more or sustain it in the coming year. So like from my uh, example, how do I put this? I've come to a greater degree of self-acceptance that... Um, you know, there are some parts about my personality that are a little bit quirky and idiosyncratic, and rather than expecting that to change, you're feeling like it has to, just being happy that I am the way that I am. And the flip side... This is a very important part. Okay. And that is recognizing that other people just are the way that they are, and 
Um, there's no sense arguing with a fair deal of it, especially if it's, you know, that they like pumpkin spice and I don't. And rather than complaining about them being basic, I can just be happy that they like pumpkin spice and that they found something on this planet that they can enjoy. So I think I that mean, that's my, I don't know. I'm happy about that, but, but that's not to expect them. You don't have to be happy about that. You can call them basic in your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can recognize that they are basic and that nothing that you say is going to make them not basic. Yeah. Also, Alex, I'm so glad you don't celebrate Elf. You know, I guess people don't celebrate Elf on the shelf. I'm glad you don't practice it. <laughs> you practice it like a ritual. <laughs> or whatever. I'm glad you don't partake in the... I'm so fucking dumb. New Year's reflective sentiment that I'm going to try to be more accepting and open-minded of other people's differences and continue to just be happy being me in a way that Wait, I feel like I've learned how you just said you're going to be more accepting, and I called Elf on the Shelf so fucking dumb. Uh, <laughs> I should be more accepting of it. I don't like Elf on the Shelf, but you know what? If that brings people joy, I should be fine with that. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> I always feel like it's a slippery slope, though, because if it's like if I like if dismembering kittens makes me yeah. happy, that's you true. shouldn't be okay with that. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. How <laughs> to do lately? All right. Well, Happy New Year. Bye. Hi, this is Alex. So the episode oh. on Liz Laugh Love is kind of what had derailed me from calling it because I wanted to share a thought and it involved a quote and I just kept procrastinating on pulling up the quote. But I, I pulled up the quote. I am ready to go. So I used to, um, when my wife and I would go to Target together, um, I would do this prank of like finding wall art with words on it, like saying things like, Life is not measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the number of moments that take your breath away. And slipping that into the shopping cart and ah. acting as if, like, well, of course we needed to get this. We don't have one of these at home. That sounds the worst. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, Alex, I don't know if, as a show, we can subscribe to your um, your vow to celebrate, you know, not being judgmental. I feel like our show might end up dying if we didn't judge people. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> but I, that I, one especially. It's like, I'd love to meet the person who has that one on their wall. And I hope it's gigantic. I hope it's a huge... I know it's not because you can sneak it into the cart, but, like, I wish it was the whole wall. <laughs> yeah, like, and I hope it's, like, yeah, like a whole, like, a big tapestry. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she knew that it was very much not my aesthetic and... I got tired of having to put things back on the shelf. Um, so another thing in that vein, right, is the live, laugh, love, uh, you know, motto, which appears on a lot of wall art with letters on it, you know. Um, and I think part of why it's not my aesthetic and something that I kind of ripped on for a while uh, is that, like, there are a lot of horrific things in the world, and our lives should be about more than just, live, laugh, love, like we should try and make the world a better place and be decent people and work hard, right? And I do believe in those things. And at the same time, I think that I, I've been too harsh on the live, laugh, love crowd and uh, coming to accept that, like, you know, the world can also be a harsh place. And if a wall art sign that says live, laugh, love puts you in a better mood, um, it helps you be a decent person, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. And you're not like a hollow or shallow person for having the, like, 10 million mass-produced live, love, love wall art from Target, you know, which is kind of the attitude that I had previously, and I think that was pretty tacky of me. Also, Wait, you I... know, there's... 
I will say, I agree that if that is honestly helping someone to become a better person, <laughs> that I support it. But the way that some of the most heinous Christians are the ones who are always talking about being holy and the ones that are like just low key doing good things in life, like they, they, I know you're not a Christian, Alex. I just mean like as an example, like the ones that are like silent, but like doing good things, like those are usually the ones that are quote unquote, like not more Christian, but like more following, you know, God's teachings. I feel like <laughs> the same as with live, laugh, love, the people who are living, laughing and loving <laughs> aren't like yelling about it. <laughs> and the people are doing that just like need a personality and need to make you think they're living, laughing, and loving. No, you know what? Never mind. I just stand corrected. I feel like the middle-aged women with live, laugh, love signs are fine. I would love to see a nationwide report about how many domestic violence situations (laughs) have live, laugh, love decorations. (laughs) Yeah, now I'm torn. As I said it, I don't know if I fully believe what I said, but I just feel like you feel the need. I feel like maybe half of them are like, I need this as a reminder. And I feel like the other half are like, oh, yeah, I got to show this is the life I lead. I don't know. This is just speculation. I'm sorry. Continue. You're walking out of your house in the morning, going to work, and you're like, oh, shit, that's right. I forgot. I almost forgot <laughs> to live, laugh, and love. Yeah, I don't. But I like that. You know, if that is really doing that for someone, I support it. Mm-hmm. And I think that aligns with what he's going to talk about next. And legitimacy to having an attitude that is in line with live, laugh, love. I mean, this is not exactly that, and this is a little bit deeper. But I wanted to share a quote from a talk given by the Zen master Linji over a thousand years ago. He said, my friends, in the practice of the Buddha Dharma, there is no need for hard work. The principles are not to try to be anyone special and to have nothing to do. If you put on your robe, eat your meal, urinate, defecate, and rest when you are tired, the foolish ones will laugh, but the wise ones will understand. And, uh, you know, I'm not a Zen master, but what I take that to all mean. Before Alex gets into what he thinks it means, I just want to say hustle culture. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It does not align with that at all. <laughs> I hate hustle culture. Me too. Is, um, not that there's no effort involved in Buddhism or trying to be a decent person or trying to be happy, but that there can be just as much misery brought about by not putting in effort as in being a tryhard and being a poser. And so, yeah, I am fine with live, laugh, love is the conclusion to all of this. All right. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I respect I respect you weighing in. Honestly, if I stop and think about something long enough, I could probably uh, push my empathy to kind of, like, not hate it. But like Pete said, I feel like in order to keep this podcast going, I just need to go off my hot takes <laughs> and hate on things. But, yeah, I get where you're coming from, Alex. Uh, yeah, I could certainly understand how somebody might enjoy, like, Amy Schumer. <laughs> but I started to watch a movie on Marissa's Showtime the other day, and she was in it. She wasn't even a main character. She was just in it. And I was like, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I got gotcha. you. Sometimes I, I just got to hate. Am somewhere down the middle. But... <laughs> I 
Marissa, yes. uh, I also used your Showtime account to finish watching I Love That For You. I have And in one of the episodes, you discover that one of the characters is a hoarder. And my question for you is, would you rather be a hoarder or a minimalist? <clears throat> a minimalist. Um, I My mother would say I was on my way to becoming a hoarder. And I would love to, like... Your mother who famously throws out all the beloved things from your childhood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I would like to be a minimalist because I know hoarders eventually lead to vermin being in your house. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I can't handle vermin or roaches and spiders nest in like dark places and stuff like that. I just mm. know there would be a whole bunch of bugs and probably eventually mice in my house. Uh, I love things. Fuck, I love things. I love lots of things. I love to surround myself with things. I love to surround myself with things that make me happy. Uh, so being a minimalist is not in my nature, but uh, being a minimalist would not attract disgusting things. So okay. Also, let, let me just note... Uh, so you're going before, more for, like, sterile. <laughs> yeah, I don't want things in my house. <laughs> um... I will say I was like, I definitely was a minimalist, but I was way more minimal when I lived in Korea because I kept living in really tiny studio apartments that didn't even have tables. Uh, so I would also have to like sit on the floor and stuff. It was kind of, it was nice. It kept me from being someone who owned a billion things, but I still owned a fucking lot of shit. Um, also like kind of liked sitting on the floor. It made me clean my floor every week. <laughs> Um, before you move on and answer, I just want to say, speaking of vermin, uh, the vermin in New York are so fucking bold. <laughs> uh, they don't care when people walk right by them. A mouse, like, just walked around this guy, like, a mouse was out getting food, and a man walked by, and the mouse did not flinch. I saw, I don't know if they're mice or rats. You were the small rats or big mice. Uh, yeah, I saw three on my way home from did you scream each time no because i was drunk and when i'm drunk i'm just sensitized <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway uh how about you i think that's a good that's a good reason to be a minimalist <laughs> but i probably would too uh, um I, I go through things pretty often and try to like get rid of things and clean things out and donate stuff to people. Yeah. So I think that probably is closer to my nature. And also, um, it gives me a lot of anxiety when I have a lot of things around. Yeah. Like if my, if my kitchen table has a bunch of shit on it, I'm like, ah, (laughs) everything around it could be absolutely clean, but I'm like, Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say you're a really good middle ground between being a minimalist and a maximalist. I mean, you're nowhere near being a hoarder. But, like, yeah, you you keep, you keep have some nice things that you own, but you keep your house from seeming cluttered. I am nowhere near a hoarder, but I do. My house is a bit cluttered. So, yeah. Good question, Pete. Cluttered with character, perhaps. Speaking of cluttered with character, guys... <laughs> I just saw the MJ musical on Broadway. And so I didn't have a topic for this week. And Pete was like, I thought you were just going to talk about the musical. And I was like, ooh, good idea. But I was like, you know what? I can't just gush about a musical for forever. 
So I feel like I found a pretty good way to talk about the musical while also teaching everyone something new that isn't just specifically about the MJ musical. So I hope I did a good job. I am going to use this experience that I had this past weekend as a jumping off point into a discussion of parts of Broadway. But guys, before I get into that, let me talk to you about how excited I was to see MJ the musical past weekend. If you have listened to this, I would assume you know that I'm like an MJ for life person. Like I'm so hard on MJ. Like he's just iconic. Uh, Just I'm I'm in love with him. Don't and I I can't even. There's a Captain EO episode back there you can check out. Yeah, exactly. And I I can't even. And when she said she's hard on MJ, just like give her give her some like cut her some slack. Okay, she's just using the words that come to mind. Okay, (laughs) I don't know what I said. Anyway, (laughs) so just know that I yeah like I'm this MJ musical. If it has been um, the only critiques, I mean, because it's fantastic. The only critiques have been about how it goes kind of glosses over um, his, his darker <laughs> part. Which, yeah. But you know what? It can't be both. It can't be a jukebox musical that gets us all dancing and talk about child abuse. That's for another play, okay? Anyway. So, Miles Frost, uh, who plays MJ, uh, he's a Tony Award winner. And this is not what the show is about, but I just, this is part of why I was so obsessed with it. Um, cause they originally had like a Broadway veteran playing Michael Jackson and then he dropped out because of, um, schedule, scheduling issues. And then they just picked. The hell is their schedule, man? Uh, they were going to be in a movie or something. Whatever Job as Michael what? Jackson <laughs> superstar. Wait, what did you say? Like that's, that's a big scheduling conflict. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I, they never mentioned what it was, so I'm assuming it wasn't worth dropping out of this <laughs> um but i just i've been obsessed with this show because besides the fact that i love michael jackson like the person they picked this is his broadway debut and he barely had any acting experience uh they we're i like they what an acting coach found a video of him covering billy jean on fucking youtube when he was in high school and then they were like you want to audition? And then he did. And then he fucking got it. Like he was in college. Like he's, he's so young. He's so like unseasoned, but he won a fucking Tony. And apparently like people had said it was like seeing Michael Jackson in concert. So I was so excited to see Miles Frost. So I'm going to say it was my birthday this past weekend. Uh, my fiance, Aaron got us tickets and they were in the second fucking row. Like it was crazy. I've never sat that close on anything. Like, he must have spent so much fucking money. You could see, like, the sweat. You could see the fucking line on their lace front wigs. You could see everything. It was insane. However, upon opening the playbill for the Uh show that I know he probably paid, like, an unreal amount for these seats, we see an insert in the playbill that says, Today, MJ will be played by Jamal Fields Green. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? I didn't say that because I know he paid a lot of money, but like I think he could see it in my face that I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Am I crazy? This is not the guy who plays Michael Jackson." <laughs> and then he goes, "What? I've got these tickets and it's not even the guy." So again, I know understudies exist, but I don't know. I just was like, I was like, "What?" This and happened. I've, never seen- uh, I've 
went to New York maybe three, two, three times. And the first time I went was to go see Wicked on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, for a date. And, um, I think Adina Menzel was still singing, but Kristen Chenoweth had just left. And people were like, oh, no, she's not going to be, I don't know who the hell either of these people are. <laughs> oh, man, really? They're like both a big deal. But, and I, right. But- and then later it was like, oh, they kind of got into the mainstream a little bit more. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know who they are. <laughs> I guess for some reason, like, they weren't going to send us a memo, of course, but for some reason I thought I would have known that before sitting in the seat. <laughs> so I was just like, what the fuck? So I, I, like, look up Jamal Field Green. And I don't know who he is. This is also his. Hit Broadway. him up on Twitter. You go, where the fuck are you, dude? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's also his Broadway debut. And it says that he plays, quote, Standby Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. Standby MJ and Standby Michael. Just to make it clearer, uh, when I keep mentioning that, MJ is adult Michael. And uh, I'll call him. He also plays Standby Michael. That is middle Michael. So they have three different actors, one playing, like, Michael as a child, one as Michael, like... Little Mike. Yeah, one as Michael, like, in his 20s, and then one as Michael, uh, adult Michael, when he's um, about to embark on his Dangerous tour. So this guy plays Standby for adult Michael and middle Michael. And we were like, huh? Like, is I he going to play both of them? Yeah, and then also we see that there's another Standby who plays middle Michael and adult Michael named Aramy Payton. So first of all, like I didn't know that there were so many people playing like so many different parts. So I was just like, this seems really confusing. And also like that insert that said that, like there are a few people that are being played by someone else. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? We're not getting what we expected. I didn't say that. It was like in my mind. I was like, what the fuck? I was just like, you know, like Miles Frost is a Tony award winner. Like, what are we going to end up seeing? Um, but I do need to say, before I even get into anything else, that, like, this was all a lesson to me that, like, on what an understudy or a standby really is and how much they go through. Because, holy shit, like, by the time we were done, our jaws were on the ground and we couldn't even imagine Miles Frost being Michael. Like, the guy who we got, like, was Michael, again, I'm going to say so hard, because... <laughs> Like it was per- like this guy looked like Michael. He embodied Michael. He sounded like Michael. It was crazy, and I was just like, I came in with such shitty preconceived notions about uh, what a standby or understudy would bring to the table. Um, so I'm gonna kind of, while I'm talking a little bit more about the show throughout, I'm going to kind of talk more about what an understudy is, the different types of understudies, and what it's like to be one. By the way, before I get in, I need to let you all know that um, my boy f- fiance had never seen a Michael Jackson video until two days ago, and he took me to see the musical without ever having seen a Michael Jackson. It's video. like I don't know who this guy is, but yeah, yeah I guess we'll go see. <laughs> I just think, what the fuck? So anyway, all I know is I have a newfound appreciation for understudies, and I actually we actually like the show so much that we want to go back again before it finishes i mean it it has an open run right now like there is no date where it stops uh but yeah i would actually really i would like to see miles frost or the other understudy Aramy payton so guys i read this great article on mental floss about or like 14 secrets you need to know about understudies and i'll start off with the obvious 
uh, thing that understudies would like you to know is that they're not lesser than the principal performers. And, like, in theory, that should be obvious. Like, why would they get an understudy that sucks and then potentially, like, have a sold-out show that sees a sucky Michael Jackson and then gives bad reviews? Like, in theory, you should realize, oh, yeah, they obviously bring an equal, you know, caliber of performance uh, to this. But, like, when you're there and you expect to have, like, this this star, or Miles Frost isn't a star, but he's a Tony Award winner. So when you get there and you see that it's not him, it's really hard to not be, like, kind of, you know, disappointed. Um, so, yeah, one Broadway actor does say that the term understudy has a connotation that they're not as good. Uh, and it's very tough understudying for a star, uh, especially, or even just an actor that everyone comes to know is award-winning. So, you know, Jamal Fields Green, if you're listening, I'm sorry <laughs> for that, for not believing in you. Um, but we're going to blame history for putting under in your name. Yeah, I mean, true. <laughs> uh, I will state, though, there actually is, this term understudy isn't listed. Uh, Jamal Fields Green and Aramie Payton are both standby Michael Jacksons. Yeah. So, that said, what are the different types of understudies and what do they mean exactly? Because I was like, what does standby Michael Jackson mean? So, standbys are specifically an off are, are off stage, you know, when the main actor is there and they cover only principal roles. So let's say like Tito Jackson is, is sick. These standbys are not going to fill in for him. They are standbys specifically for adult Michael and for like early twenties, young adult Michael. Um, but isn't somebody going to stand in for Tito? Well, I'll come back to that. Okay. So yeah, so standbys are literally they literally stand by. They're required to be at the theater, or if not in the theater, very close by, like within five minutes, to be on call if the principal role is unable to perform. Understudies are on stage every night in a specific role, but then they can also cover for those principal roles. So meaning, an understudy might be playing Tito every night. Except if none of the standbys are available, he can also stand in for Michael Jackson. So do you follow me? Right. So he is actually on stage, while standbys are not on stage at all, unless they are playing that principal role. So swings are off stage and will only cover for the ensemble. So swings are someone who will show up if Tito is not there for the day. So to break it down, there is a certain chain of events that allows these actors to make it to the stage. So if a performer will, is out, that performer's specific standby will go on stage. If the standby is also out, this understudy will then step in, and the swing performer will then swing in to cover the understudy's typical role. So that's the one way that they could all be on stage together. So um, let's take a moment to kind of break down how insane this could all end up and how hard this really is, because... I follow uh, the two standby Michaels on social media now because I kind of want to know. Sometimes they know ahead of time they're going to be Michael. So I kind of want to keep track of their schedules. So I've seen that uh, I think it was Aramie Payton has sometimes had to be a different Michael Jackson the same day. I think it was him that I saw. It was either him or the other one that posted that he was 
young adult Michael at 2 p.m. and adult Michael at 8 p.m. And adult Michael is the star of the whole show, but middle Michael has a huge supporting role. So within hours, he had to play two totally different parts with a different energy, a different way of carrying themselves, and like way different dance numbers. So that sounds crazy to me, but apparently that's not really that uncommon. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it sounds crazy. Uh, So the extra layer to add on top of that is that these understudies don't usually get to experience a standard rehearsal like a star of the show would, even though they need to bring as much energy and preciseness as the star of the show. So an understudy or a standby will rehearse regularly, but not usually with the main cast members. So actors filling in for main characters usually have the opportunity to rehearse around twice a week, maybe. Typically, they'll rehearse with each other, uh, with stage managers reading off book to cover other parts um, as an assistant director watches. And during these uh, standby or understudy rehearsals, there are very few bells and whistles that accompany the show. Uh, so basically, these actors will never get to rehearse in the truest form of the show, which again sounds insane. So uh, also... Uh, these understudies will often cover multiple tracks. Like I told you, um, these standbys in the show cover two different Michael characters. And so they have to have, you know, different methods of keeping these characters separate because you got to make sure you don't confuse your Michaels while you're on stage. Right. So in this article I was reading, mm. uh, one actor explains, I made a run sheet for each character. I wrote down exactly in every scene their movements which wing they exit, enter, and every move they make. Props you need to remember, costume changes backstage, and then when you go on, you keep a copy on each side of the stage, and it keeps you on track. Uh, so Jay Douglas, who covers six characters in the show, The Drowsy Chaperone, had a similar strategy. He said, quote, I sat out in the audience with a pair of binoculars in one hand and a tape recorder in the other hand. And I would follow each of my people around one person at a time. I would speak every move that the character made into a microphone. And then I would go back and actually type it out in a Word document. He reviewed his notes and corrected them until he had an accurate description of what every track did. Then he kept a printed copy in his bag so he could pull it out to reference at a moment's notice. Uh, There's also a Broadway show called Come From Away, which includes 12 actors, six men and six women, each playing 60 different characters. (laughs) I can't even imagine. I I think each playing a number from the 60. I don't think they each play 60. I think that's weird. Um, That said, like, let's say Miles Frost is playing Michael for months on end and then he finally can't play Michael so then one of his standbys needs to step in um, you know that standby has not been on the stage for a long time so the article goes on to state that every time these actors go on basically can feel like a first time uh, one actor says quote the problem for us is every time you go on it's the first time more or less because so much time has passed um, it was hard to have a job as a performer but not technically get to perform that often, this actor said. Most standbys go on very infrequently, and it can feel like being shot out of a cannon. It takes a second to get your groove, 
and find your sea legs. So I don't know when Jamal Field Green had been Michael prior to the show I saw. But I will say, like, if no one told me he was a standby, I would have never known. Uh, I would say he fumbled over one word in the entire two-and-a-half-hour show, and he didn't even have a wrong line. He just, like, stumbled over a word. And I think once someone was trying to put on his jacket in a dance number and they struggled for, like, a second to get it on the right arm. But, like, it was seamless. Like, I would never go, oh, yeah, this guy hasn't been Michael for a while. Um, so, and it's not always, like, they'll be like, oh, you're going to be Michael Jackson uh, in a couple, you know, in a couple days. Sometimes you barely have any advance notice. And I feel uh, like in professional sports, it's more like that. It's like, you know, oh, our pitcher just broke their arm. We're going to call somebody up from the minor leagues. And, you know, but they know, like, at least a couple of days in advance that they're going to do something like that. If that somebody it? just called you in the morning and was like, hey, you're going to, you know, pitch in the big game tonight. <laughs> Wait, do they really take people from the minor league? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. That's why it exists. <laughs> I honestly don't know why didn't know why it <laughs> anyway um some actors say they've gotten just an hour and a half notice um and in some situations an understudy or a standby can be called in during a damn show <laughs> um apparently the lead has diarrhea well, no, <laughs> you need to get over here right now <laughs> i mean yeah that could happen apparently um close to the end of a matinee show of wicked uh, Adina Menzel fell and she fractured her rib. So then her standby had to get ready in seven minutes. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. Um, and obviously, you know, they need to think a lot about staying in character and really making sure that they're bringing to the table what the principal actor brings to the table. Um, so this one uh, standby says, quote, we're focusing on things that principal actors don't have to focus on at all anymore. You walk on stage and you're looking for your spike marks, so the piece of tape where actors usually stand. And then you're looking for where the light is hitting you. And then you're figuring out if you're in the right shirt. And then you're on top of that, remembering your lines. And then on top of that, you're in character. Uh, so apparently, like, people who our standbys or swing or understudies uh this they have this type of compartmentalization which they refer to as quote-unquote swing brain um also they need to be incredibly consistent like i said um so the key that understudies and standbys oh the key wait it's key that understudies and standbys are consistent with what a principal performer has done in the past both so they don't throw off the other actor's rhythms or wander into a perilous situation. Quote, as a standby, my only intention was to fit in like a cog in the wheel, one actor said. A show runs like a well-oiled machine, and it can be dangerous to you or to anyone else in the company if you don't hit your marks and follow the track that is laid out. Um, so some of the iconic Michael thing are one, Michael's voice. Uh, Michael Jackson has like a real gentle, like, whispery voice. And I was really curious. I was like, do all these Michaels, like, make sure to master 
the same voice. And I was able to compare what I saw with a clip of Miles Frost, and they both really got that whispery thing going. Um, and I mean, generally, the way they, they carry themselves and things like that. I will say the one thing that stuck out to me, though, is uh, the Jamal Fields Green has a bunch of tattoos, and I'm kind of surprised that they didn't, like, either use makeup to, like, block them out or, like, give him, like, a sleeve or something. Well, not was... everybody was sitting in the second row, Marissa. Yeah, well, you know, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> some people are just specific about that. It just, that that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I do need to mention, which has nothing to do with being a standby or anything, or oh, it does it? I mean, no, 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 it doesn't. Like, it can't be helped, but <laughs> there are three Michaels, a young Michael, a middle Michael, and an adult Michael, and it's very interesting because not of them, all of them have the same skin tone. So mm-hmm. not one of the, there are two young Michaels, uh, two people who switch out, you know, who, who plays it. And the young Michael I had was very light skinned. And then the guy playing middle Michael was very dark skinned and Jamal Fields Green is incredibly light skinned. So that was just interesting, but it didn't matter. Like, cause they all brought the energy and you, you weren't like, what? Yeah. But, uh, I, I just thought that was interesting that I did, I did give some thought to like, did they, do they care about that at all? And I did notice that, um, while Jamal Fields Green is naturally very light skinned, I did see some of the makeup on the other two Michaels and it did seem like they like lighten his skin just a tiny bit. Not enough that it looks like clownish, but I mm. do think, you know, they do just a little bit of makeup magic. So I just, it's very interesting to compare them all. Um, so actually in, uh, in the Chicago Defender, some publication, uh, there is an interview with one of Michael Jackson, the Michael Jackson standbys, Aramy Payton. And they asked, what's it like being on call, filling in for shows? Does it get hectic? And Aramy Payton says, whew, I wouldn't suggest this job to anyone. Ha ha. I'm a bit of a control freak. So this gig goes against my everything not to mention it's mostly thankless but what it does allow me to do is trust my trust my gifts and trust my teammates there's no time for bs and that's a good feeling for my debut show i went on at intermission for act two so that's also crazy because you get miles frost in act one i don't know why but he can't come back for act two and you need to act you need to be so good that they're not like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd that guy go? <laughs> like, that is so much craziness. Like, I can't even imagine, um, yeah, how, how intense that is. Um, so that is, uh, that, that is all the stuff that really, like, was very interesting to me about understudies. So now I'm going to pivot back to the Michael Jackson show. Uh, and I'm going to just say some couples, a couple things that I thought were interesting. Uh, one is that only one performance actually features all of Michael Jackson's chore- like exact choreography. The rest is like the guy who did all the choreography studied all of Michael Jackson's moves. He actually like had help from dancers who have toured with Michael Jackson, so that he like understood how Michael Jackson moved. And all of his he iconic learned moves. the language, yeah, basically. There, yeah, I couldn't, that's a good term. He learned the language of Michael Jackson. And then they created fresh, new dance numbers that were definitely a tribute to Michael. But we're not just like, it's not just a guy like impersonating Michael for every single number. 
And apparently Michael Jackson's children saw the show, I think, in the premiere, and they thanked Miles Frost that he wasn't just, like, an impersonator, that it definitely mm-hmm. felt like more like a tribute than, like, trying to just just pretend he's Michael Jackson. Because, uh, yeah, they did. They have a whole thriller number, and they don't do the iconic thriller moves, and there's, like, all these different parts of it that are by no means in thriller, but they did it so well that you're like, this is weird. Didn't didn't expect this to happen, but it was just like really good. So and is um, it is it because is it that they were trying to do something original, or is it that those moves are like copyrighted or something? Oh no, it was just trying to do something original. They okay. just didn't want to be like like bring nothing new to it and again they still had like people dressed up like zombies and they they did do some of the iconic moves but like you expect that specific choreography and it's not there and it also became this like in it basically it's very interesting how the show is because a lot of the people play multiple roles i don't mean as standbys i mean within the same movie so this one guy plays like a choreographer and he plays Joe Jackson and he's just like an ensemble dancer. So at at one point, like he's talking as like Joe Jackson, like just straight up Michael Jackson's dad. But then he like kind of transforms into this, like, I I mean, I think it was just trying to basically say about how Michael Jackson's father was like sort of killing him and kind of evil. I, that's what I took from it that he then like morphs into this, like, he doesn't, this is for the thriller piece. He doesn't morph into a zombie. He morphs into a, did you ever see the movie Princess and the Frog? I don't think I did. Okay, never mind. He he kind of morphs into a steampunk voodoo king, it looks like. Like okay. he like has a top hat. And like, it just it looks so bizarre. But basically, like, that's not in the thriller movie, a uh, thriller sh- in the thrill and you're like what the fuck but you're like this works this really works um so yeah guys i just i'm glad that pete told me i could i should take this time to just gush about it because i don't think i could have talked about how much i love this just in like the how are you but like i said i tried to make it not just all about all about mj but um there was a guy behind me who kept heckling and i'm really mad he wasn't (laughs) out And the play brings up the one time when Michael Jackson is in a Pepsi commercial and then a pyrotechnic catches his hair on fire and he gets like burns. And the guy goes like, should have drank Coca-Cola. And I was like, you deserved. Are you allowed to (laughs) like, no, you're not allowed to. I don't know why nobody kicked him out. Why did you spend all the money to sit in the third row? (laughs) And he said he liked Michael Jackson a lot. And he kept saying, sing it, Michael. And it was, it was very annoying. But anyway, it was uh, it was great. And I will say, I know that I love Michael Jackson, so you might be like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, again, my boyfriend who's never seen a video, uh, now he loves Michael Jackson. <laughs> and I've been teaching him about Michael Jackson every day since. <laughs> and he's, He's not going to work, right, and be like, have you guys ever heard of this guy, Michael Jackson? <laughs> he did one day to go, like, Yo, did you see when Michael Jackson did the Super Super Bowl halftime show? And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, the other day, he's like, You know what? I didn't know all his songs were like had these good messages and were like about togetherness and peace. And I was like, Okay. And and also like the show deals a lot with Michael Jackson's inspirations. And I was telling Aaron like, you know, like. 
he took inspirations from others, but he's been so influential to so many black artists. And he's like, oh, yeah, like who? Like James Brown? No, like Justin Timberlake. Famous <laughs> black artist Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just want everyone to know that he thought Michael Jackson inspired James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I, I just think he doesn't know time periods. Like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. So, guys, I can't recommend it enough. I'm seeing it again. I am 100% seeing it again. I doubt we can afford second row tickets again. But at least at least now I know what happens. So if we sit in the back row, I'll still enjoy it just as much. Because I got to be spit on by Jamal Fields Green. <laughs> I don't need that place. But uh, oh God. Pete, it's so good. Would you even watch it? Do you, or do you not really care about Michael that much? It'd be one of those things, like if it was uh, on, on streaming or something, it'd probably be in my queue for a while. Okay. And yeah, just like waiting until I felt like I needed it. I mean, it is cool, I guess, if you see it streaming. But like, I, I, I saw Mean Girls on Broadway and it was fantastic. I was going to joke at the beginning when you said that you had one complaint about it. <laughs> I was going to say, what, it's in New York City? <laughs> what? No, wait, what was my one complaint? I don't remember at this oh, point. I don't remember <laughs> anyway, I saw Me Girls at Broadway. It was great. But, like, everyone was so hype in the audience that it brought an energy that just, like, yeah, definitely wouldn't be the same in streaming. Because, like, people were, like, dancing in their seats, like, hardcore. It was great. So that was one of the best experiences. Yeah, and I guess mine was, like, a really... Um, maybe like traditional yeah. musical with Wicked yeah. because nobody did anything okay. in the audience. <laughs> yeah, no, they were they were they were they weren't wilding out too much, but it, it was except for the guy behind us who we hated. Uh, everyone else made it really fun. So uh, yeah, uh, if you're if you're at all interested, anyone the uh, the al- this is not my plug, but I'm just saying the uh, the album to the musical is on Spotify. The guys do sound a lot like Michael Jackson, not 100. percent It is not lip syncing; it is them all singing. So that's mm-hmm. also interesting. I was like, they were able to get like uh, multiple people that sound like Michael Jackson because they all sounded a lot like him, but like not 100. percent So that must have been a really hard casting process. But anyway. So yeah, I hope I tell you all something about understudies. And next time you're at a Broadway musical, if you find out the star is not there today, I hope you have an open mind for the yeah. understudy or the standby. It's time for plugs. It's time for plugs. Well, geez, of course I have something to plug. Okay. This is like a pre-plug. Okay. But uh, Marissa, I don't know if you realized it. I just found out today that Servant is coming back on Friday this week. I know, I just found out two days ago. (laughs) Looking forward to that. But if you have some time on your hands and you don't mind watching something that is dubbed, and you love old people, (laughs) (laughs) might I suggest The Green Glove Gang on Netflix. What is that? Which is about three older women. Okay who belong in a gang, and they rob places. Oh, okay. And when uh, they kind of, they don't get caught, but like when they are under suspicion or they, they panic about, you know, people figuring out who they are, mm-hmm. they take residence in, I'm sorry, guys, I can't come up with the right word, in like an old folks' home. Oh, uh, God. 
What is this called? A retirement home? Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, and then they get to sort of like... It's cute. Okay. But it's also, it's also funny in a lot what of ways, too. What is this on? Netflix. And what... Have you heard what, that? Yeah, what is the language? I don't know. Oh, okay. European. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... I mean, this whole show should hopefully be a plug for the MJ musical, which I will say I am happy. Uh, I posted about it on social media and people were like, "Ooh, I'm glad you liked it. I'm considering watching it. I cannot stress enough. If you're even thinking about watching it, watch it. It. I've been thinking about it every day of since I got <laughs> since I left. I, I'm not even joking. Me and Aaron talk about it every day and I'm just upset. But I'm also going to plug self plug. Again, not again. I never said this already. Uh, I think I mentioned that I know nobody asked for Riss's Gossip Grill as Patreon content. Mm -hmm. But I just want to plug it because I know celebrity gossip is stupid or celebrity news is stupid. But I made it specifically so you just get some like little tidbits if someone's talking about celebrity gossip so you're not totally lost or if you can't think of something to say just mention these dumb stories and it's a conversation piece. Okay. This is not for like the person who's devoting to celebrity gossip. I feel like this gives you little snippets of things just so you're not totally like oblivious to the dumb shit happening around you. So mm -hmm. if you haven't given it a chance yet, give a listen to Riss's gossip girl. I'm going to keep making it whether you want to or want me to or not. <laughs> and on the latest episode, I did a little bit of soundscape work yeah, I uh, about a certain point where um, Prince Harry falls onto a dog bowl. <laughs> well, I like that. Yeah. Um, my latest episode is my only themed episode where I only focus on one thing. I give you all of the quote unquote bombshells from Prince Harry's memoir. So you don't need to read it. Not like you would, but so you know what the hell everyone's talking about when no one will shut up about the Royals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and if you are one of the people who won't shut up about the Royals, please, Shut up about the Royals. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, you can give us a call in at 570-POD-WOD-1. Pete, where can they email us? You can email us at shout at yallheard.me. You can always slide into my DMs at Risk Vandal. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, yeah. Stay safe out there. And uh, Happy New Year again. Bye. Bye. <laughs>